0: Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... Daddy! And who could forget... Well, the good news is is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped.
1: You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. The British government announces that it will send Challenger tanks to Ukraine, provided somebody at the Ministry of Defence can figure out the new paperwork for exporting bulky goods to Europe. Prince Harry says his family would never forgive him if he told the whole truth about his life as a royal, Mainly because mealworms and crickets are actually delicious and the lizard people don't want us commoners finding out about it. President Biden faces an embarrassing special counsel investigation of his own after top secret files are found at one of his former offices and in the garage of his Delaware home. The spokesman for the White House says Biden had forgotten all about them, which is why he had to reintroduce himself to the president before making a statement. And finally, the Tory MP Andrew Bridgen is suspended from the Conservative Party for promoting conspiracy theories about Covid vaccines and comparing them to the Holocaust, ironically outing himself as a far more dangerous prick than any vaccine. Hello and welcome to a brand new year and a brand new episode of IC News. In 2023, we resolve to continue bringing you the hottest stories from across the multiverse, mainly because, for me at least, that's far more achievable than the fantasy of ever actually joining a gym. I get it, targeted advertising. I'm 36 now, and if I don't get a peloton, I'll be dead soon. But you're never going to catch me, because I don't have enough of a pension plan to contemplate living beyond 65 anyway. I intend to go out straining on the toilet as a strangled knot of cholesterol squeezes my heart in its buttery embrace, and there's nothing you can do about it. I win. Of course, it's not just slightly chonky millennials everywhere who have decided New Year, New Me. It's a vacuous delusion that's also gripped our politicians, who have used the start of 2023 to reinvent themselves and start making a fresh case to the British voter. Labour's Keir Starmer has decided to seize the language of Brexit by promising to allow local communities to take back control with further devolution. The Conservatives, on the other hand, have Rishi Sunak's five pledges. Vague, hand-waving targets on NHS waiting lists, the economy and immigration that really shouldn't be too hard to achieve for anyone that isn't two coked-up seven-year-olds in a big coat. Not that you can really blame the Prime Minister for trying to make things easy for himself. Sunak is currently facing unprecedented pressure from a growing workers' revolt and an ever-deepening crisis in the NHS. He's in desperate need of some real ideas, and Danny Sutcliffe has been travelling the multiverse this week to try and find out where it is the Tory party gets theirs from.
2: Hi, everyone. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe, everyone's favourite IC News correspondent and marketing genius. I'm the man you need to freshen up your brand for 2023, and I mean properly. Not just a quick spritz under the armpits. I'm talking about rolling the foreskin back and really getting at that build-up with a chisel. In today's difficult economic climate, a freshly whittled reputation with your clients really is the only way to stay relevant and profitable. I've worked with some of Britain's top political brands, from Lee V.U. to Lawrence Fox's Cocaine Dealer. So believe me when I say you can always trust a Sutcliffe. <laughs> Nowadays, at least. How's that for a rebrand? But it's not just successful global businesses like the Sutcliffe Jetwashing Emporium that I've expertly steered through the choppy waters of public opinion. If I can save that business following an unfortunate incident where quite a lot of LSD was accidentally sprayed into a primary school, I can save anyone's. But I've also worked on high-profile marketing campaigns for loads of satisfied customers, from Big Barry's Fish and Chip van to One-Eyed Mary's Etsy shop and Balenciaga, which is why I'm the only man at the network with the relevant skills to assess this year's biggest brand relaunch. The Conservative Parties! It's a new season for the country's favourite line of -of out-of-touch posh twogs. And boy, have they got some eye-catching new proposals for you, the British consumer! First up, mascots. Let's talk them. Now, unfortunately, there's no doubt that last year's marketing campaign was a bit of a disaster for the Tories. Putting the Bride of Chucky in charge for 45 days was a bold gambit, but unfortunately it didn't pay off, and stocks, by which I mean the entire fucking economy, plummeted. It was back to the drawing board in a hurry, and the focus groups quickly came back with the most radical, out-of-the-box, blue-sky thinking they could dream up. What if we took what people love about the Tories, tax avoidance and obscene wealth, and dialed it up to 11? It was truly visionary stuff, helped along by the brilliant idea to front the campaign with a new, adorable, pint-sized mascot. In a new colour, no less. Would it be a big seller? Yes, of most of the country's assets. Would it be popular? No, but nobody really likes that fucking insurance maker either. What's really important is brand awareness. And with Rishi Sunak, the British public are now more aware of the Tories than ever. Now you, an armchair cynic and ignoramus, might argue that not all awareness is good awareness. You might point to the NHS waiting lists, or the growing workers' revolt, or the terrible staff retention rates in our schools, hospitals and public services. All good points, which is why it's so important to back up your glossy presentation with some real substance. Good, meaty policy platforms to win back the favour of the electorate and deliver the real change that so many are crying out for. 2023 is Rishi Sunak's year, to really stamp his authority across the face of the Conservative Party and make his case to the contrary. He needs some big ideas to turn around his party's fortunes. There's only one place in the multiverse where that sort of inspiration strikes, and it's right here. This is Earth Alpha Thatcher Non-Dom 37, and it's the dimension that the Conservative Party have been drawing all of their policy ideas from for the last 12 years. The think tanks and the millionaire donors get to do some tinkering around the edges, obviously. We do live in a democracy after all. But the real meat and potatoes of everything the country has been put through over the last decade and a bit comes from right here. This beautiful, circular bit of drywall encircling the wellspring of all Tory knowledge. It's important in business to outsource and consult, preferably in a way that allows your mates to bill the British taxpayer a big fat wadge of cash. And for the Conservatives, it's no different. Every new Conservative Prime Minister, at some point in their tenure, comes here to this wishing well. All you need to do is put roughly 30 million quid into the bucket and lower it down. And in return, the well gives you a benchmark new policy to get your leadership off to a flying start. So let's give it a go, shall we? I've got a fat new cashier's cheque right here. And all I had to do to get it was write to Matt Hancock a couple of years back and promise him I had a few rubber gloves to flog. Down it goes. And then all we need to do is wait for our answer. Not the fastest service in the multiverse, admittedly, but, you know, waiting lists and all that. Hello?
1: Hello? Hello? Is anyone home? I told you lot the last two times, we're all out. What the fuck fuck do you you mean you're all all
2: out? out? You're meant to be the the wellspring of old Tory knowledge.
1: We've got nothing, mate. It's dry. Why do you think Trust just started making shit up?
2: I'm gonna I'm piss him in, in, minute, in here, it, pal. I've just I've dropped just 30, thirty million bastard, bastard quid into quid this quid pit. pit. You can't just you can't leave, just leave it me with nothing. nothing.
1: There's nothing down here, mate. Just a bunch of dead cats. there has got to be something, you robbing yes. robot.
2: <laughs>
1: well, there is one thing, but I don't think it will help much. Anything?
2: anything. I'll take I'll anything. Anything.
1: anything. Have you considered making kids do maths until they're eighteen?
2: Can I have, Can me I 30 have my 30 million, million quid, quid back, back, please? please? No. Unfucking believable So there you have it, dear listener. The presentation might be a bit glossier this year, but the wellspring of Tory ideas has well and truly run dry. I'm Daddy Sutcliffe. God help all of us. Reporting for IC News.
1: One of the Prime Minister's biggest challenges for the new year will be dealing with a growing revolt among public sector workers. Nurses and ambulance staff have already been striking over Christmas and this week two more teaching unions will be revealing the results of their own ballots, which may see teachers and support staff in England walking out and many schools closed. As the number of people taking direct action against low wages and falling living standards continues to rise, however, the government are sticking to their approach of simply blaming the unions for their militancy. This week, Jonathan Gullis, MP, full-time knobhead, former teacher and briefly education minister, stood up in Parliament and accused communists and Bolsheviks in the trade unions of setting out to deliberately harm the nation's children – He did this despite himself voting against extending free school meals over the holidays during the pandemic, because one thing he was clearly never taught in school was any sense of shame. Clearly, what Rishi Sunak thinks the public wants is for his government to up the 1970s rhetoric and shatter the union's resolve, and he's stooping to desperate measures to achieve it. This week, he unveiled new laws that would effectively force workers in several key sectors to work during any planned industrial action, in yet another assault on the British workers' right to collectivise and fight for better standards. Here's Tom King with more. Safe minimum levels of service. It sounds
3: perfectly reasonable on paper, doesn't it? One of those targets that a Tory Prime Minister can stand up on his stack of yellow pages and insist that he's definitely going to deliver, as if he's successfully identified the root cause of the growing revolt among British workers. It's not the low wages, the soaring cost of living, the obscene energy bills, or the harrowing working conditions that have caused all this. It's those commie trade unionists who for no good reason at all have set out to topple this government. Because seeking a better deal for British people, apparently, is the kryptonite that's most likely to bring this administration down. Now, thank fuck Jonathan Gullis isn't a teacher anymore. Now, any man who thinks Bolshevik agitators is the answer when looking at the public mood and trying to put two and two together clearly shouldn't be teaching anyone maths until they're 18. Now, Gullis might be an absolute fucking donkey, but the problem is that he's emblematic of his party's whole approach to the crisis currently facing the NHS and millions of other British workers. Just like the rest of the Tories, Gullis is steadfastly refusing to acknowledge that the Conservatives bear any responsibility for what's happening to our public sector. Instead, he's jabbing his stubby little fingers at the imaginary bogeyman he's desperate to pin the blame on. It's 12 years of managed decline that have ripped the guts out of the nation's enthusiasm for thankless, underpaid and overly stressful public sector work. Yet the Tories seem utterly incapable of recognising that their own incompetence might have something to do with the fact that our nurses and our teachers are now quitting in droves. Now, that's not to say that our Prime Minister doesn't have some proposed solutions, however. This week saw Rishi Sunak unveil his grand plan for dealing with the growing calls for strike action. And it appears sensible compromise is well and truly off the table. Oh, there were lots of options he could have considered, from reopening pay negotiations with the protesting unions to working together with them to develop proper long-term plans to address the abysmal staff retention rates in our schools and hospitals. In the end, though, Rishi didn't go for any of that. Oh, no. Clearly, Sunak still thinks it's the 1970s, and the only way to handle the furious working classes is to go after their fundamental right to strike. He's like a tiny little Margaret Thatcher, a sort of... Iron baby, making as much noise as possible in a desperate attempt to assert dominance over a situation he has absolutely no control over. Sunak's proposed new laws and the right to define minimum safe service levels for many key sectors to the business secretary, Grant Shapps. (sighs) Now, Shapps insists that he never wants to use these powers, but he's already proven that he can't even be trusted with Photoshop or his own Wikipedia page. His word is now worth about as much as a hospital porter's wages in the face of a three grand gas bill. This is a government that have sought to wildly misrepresent the trade union's demands throughout the growing crisis handing themselves power to neuter the unions further by decree from on high, will do nothing to curb the burgeoning unrest threatening to consume Sunak's visibly piss-weak position. The problem with our Prime Minister's desperate attempts to paint himself as the hero of this story is that he appears to be badly misjudging what the public are actually willing to support. Nurses are currently a damn sight more popular than Tory politicians and the public can see just how petty and dismissive the government are being over what many see as a perfectly reasonable attempt to actually get them around the negotiating table. Nonsense fantasies about communists and Bolsheviks become meaningless hot air in the face of the worst crisis in NHS history we can all see the queues of ambulances backing out of every A&E in the country. And try as they might, the Conservatives are yet to convince the British public that it's somehow all Mick Lynch's fault. This isn't the winter of discontent. Our trade unions haven't been the powerful behemoths that only exist in Jonathan Gullis' nightmares for decades. In fact, their influence has been declining for years and laws aimed at further restricting them already put new thresholds on ballots for industrial action back in 2017. As a result, many unions representing frontline public services have since had to work a hell of a lot harder to convince their members to back any kind of collective action. That they're suddenly finding it much easier isn't proof that the unions have suddenly regained their godlike powers. It's proof that the government have utterly failed in keeping pay and working conditions tolerable for the furious workers they represent. Years of degradation to our services mean the public can see the harm that's been visited on our health services and our schools. And no matter how hard the Tories try to pitch this as a battle against the militant unions, these new laws directly target frontline workers like nurses and teachers. Workers that have absolutely had enough of being undervalued and under-supported by a government that has absolutely failed to provide the very minimum safe levels of service that they're now crowing about from the rooftops. The new laws Sunak has announced this week will do nothing to dig the Tories out of this crisis of their own making. In fact, they're almost certain to be endlessly challenged in the courts. Courts that, funnily enough are already completely backlogged by the government's incompetence in dealing with the law unions striking. Which is why this antagonistic approach from Rishi Sunak is so transparently self-serving. This isn't about fixing the problem, it's about creating a dividing line between the Tories and Labour, so that their respective approaches to the unions become a wedge issue in the next election. That's the priority of this government, not the NHS, not the unions, not the failing living standards of millions of people. This is a government that are well and truly on strike from fixing the problems that they've created. The irony of it all is that we're now all members of a nightmare union they've forced us into, and these cunts currently couldn't get anywhere near the 50% of votes they expect the trade unions to achieve. I'm Tom King, and Viva la Revolution, reporting for IC News.
1: The state of the country might be a bit of a headache for the Prime Minister, but one thing he can always rely on is the British press finding something juicy to distract the plebs with. And over the last couple of weeks, one estranged royal has been providing them with the juiciest steak imaginable. Prince Harry's new book, Spare, has been chewing its way through the headlines all week and has sparked a furious storm of condemnation from many commentators. But is the media hysteria in any way justified or is it simply proving Meghan and Harry's argument? Joining us in the studio today to discuss, it's our own royal correspondent, Sebastian Forlock.
0: Hello, Sam. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. Even more so when it falls to me to defend my profession from the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. We royal correspondents are a proud and noble breed, you know. Never before have we come under such vicious assault. You look at Nicholas Witchell and think proud and noble, do you? But of course! Those patrician features, that strong, confident jaw, that gloriously masculine stoop when he grovels so elegantly before even the slightest royal. He's been the poster boy of my trade for a generation. I once saw him, in person, fawning over Mike Tyndall as if he were heir to the throne itself. Such commitment to obsequiousness, Sam. I came right there in the press throng, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Did you have a question, dear boy? Oh,
1: sorry, um, I was just genuinely stunned into silence there for a moment.
0: Well, it's been quite the week for shocking autobiographical outbursts, hasn't it? (laughs) I consider it rather fitting. Putting aside your anecdotes, Sebastian,
1: let's focus on the press coverage of Spare's release this week, shall we? Yes, of
0: course. A dreadful and torrid little tome filled with the most unrepentant bile and hearsay. Thank goodness it was met with such professionalism by a host of pundits and commentators with nothing but level and perfectly appropriate critiques. That's not really what happened, though, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Puppycock! In fact, what's become remarkably obvious during Harry's defensive little tour of the talk shows is that we, the press, are the injured party here. Any suggestions that my colleagues and mutual experts in Royal Reportage have acted with anything other than calm, impartial rationality, is pure slander.
1: I wouldn't say Dan Wootton and Piers Morgan have seemed particularly calm this week, Sebastian. <laughs>
0: Nonsense. It's the Sussexes who are the petty, prattling provocateurs here. They're the ones obsessed with self-aggrandisement, choosing to do so through the vindictive debasement of our monarchy. We in the press have been nothing but reasonable, and I can prove it. Really? How? With this. Okay, and what is it that I'm looking at exactly? It's a lie detector, Sam. These electrodes and sensors dotted across my flesh will measure my biological response to every question you may ask me. I will prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that I can handle Harry's autobiography with nothing but its due and impartial journalistic rigour. Well, this is all very normal. And that's not all, Sam. Not only will this machine gauge the veracity of my responses, I've got such faith in my calm and even temperament that I've linked it to the jade egg I currently have inserted in my rectum. Should this machine detect an untruth It will raise the temperature of said egg five degrees. What is wrong with you? Nothing, Sam. There is absolutely nothing wrong with me. Mm. Oh,
1: that's, uh, it's warm. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't want to participate in whatever this is. Well, you have to, Sam. I've gone to a lot of effort. Yes, all to prove it seems that some elements of the press have gone completely insane over the release of this book. What is it exactly about this memoir that's made you maniacs absolutely lose your minds?
0: I haven't lost my mind, Sam. In fact, I couldn't care less about Harry and Meghan. What, you think it's
1: perfectly reasonable of Harry to tell his side of the story, then? Even if it is damaging to the reputation of the
0: royal family? I just think it's important to have a sense of perspective, Sam, and to be responsible with our truths.
1: And what was responsible about the selective quoting regarding Harry's kill count in Afghanistan, exactly? particularly when it came from early leaks of the book and the full context of his comments
0: wasn't widely available. That was perfectly legitimate reporting and about as far from sensationalist as it's possible to get. Mm. (laughs) I'm... I'm a naughty little Yankee, candle. Well, what
1: about the allegations he makes about the palace conspiring with the press and leaking damaging stories about him and his wife?
0: I think you'll find the relationship between Buckingham Palace and the press is a congenial one, Sam, and is in absolutely no way mutually parasitic. By the fires of Mount Vesuvius! it Are
1: you all right, Sebastian? Yes. Are you going to go and have a cold bath now? I think that's probably a sensible idea for you, Piers Morgan, and Dan Wotton.
0: I'm Sebastian Forlock, and now I know what a chocolate fondant feels like. Reporting for IC News.
1: I think that's probably as good a time as any to call the end of this episode, dear listeners. Not least because the studio now smells like a weird cross between a festival Porterloo and a pack of frazzles. We'll be back, as always, the same time next week with a brand new episode. But until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. The business secretary, Grant Shapps, denies photoshopping Boris Johnson out of a press photograph. Well, it's not a back to the future situation, is it, Grant? If Boris ever goes back in time, he'll never be able to stop himself from shagging his own mother. The delivery firm Every apologises for its recent poor performance, with a company spokesman pretending to knock before throwing his sorry over the garden fence, where it smashed into a thousand pieces. Romanian police seize several luxury cars from the estate of influencer Andrew Tate, as it turns out that Greta Thunberg really has made him drastically reduce his carbon footprint. And finally, Lee Ryan from the boy band Blue is found guilty of racially aggravated assault on a British Airways flight. Jurors found he had got too close to a female member of the cabin crew, and other passengers had to all rise and intervene. Ryan is yet to apologise, but in his defence, sorry does seem to be the hardest word. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye.
2: Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with the right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van... Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind our bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though This deal is limited to the first 500 patrons And they'll get snapped up quick It's the best way to show your support for the show And you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards As always Thank you for all of your support And we hope you enjoy the show And no, it's not badger me And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise He's a fucking liar